Hello, wonderful people of the internet, and welcome back to the Anything Literally podcast. We're on episode seven. Seven, that's a lot of episodes, especially as they're 50 minutes each. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, today we are talking about the world of post-production. But first, Harry has some breaking news. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I have single-handedly saved Nikon from going bust. (laughs) Uh, Last night, I, I, I might have bought the uh, Z6 II and with the adapter and it costs a lot of money and so, I now feel so a lot more poorer than I did beforehand. So last week's conversation about cameras paid off. Yes, basically. Yeah, I was planning to buy the Blackmagic Pocket Pro, the new one, 6K, but um, I realised I definitely do more photo than video, so mm. I thought... Why not just yeah. upgrade my photo camera instead of op- upgrading video camera? So that's yeah, what I yeah, done. Yeah. I think it's an all right choice. It's pretty good. Uh, pretty I mean, cool. It, it does. Apparently, it does. You know, 4K raw recording externally via HDMI. So really, I don't. There's no. I've just have lost. Don't have anything. an external recorder. Yeah, I don't have an external recorder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to steal Ben's. I'm just going to steal Ben's. It's all right. <laughs> Does Ben's actually do raw? So Ben's got the Black Magic assi- video assist. No, I don't know actually. I I've think it only does ProRes. So I know the new one might, mm. but ProRes is still really the good. The Atomos Shinobi or something similar. Ninja. Yeah, the, the one Ninja all the does uh, raw recording. That's quite a good one. But it's also eight hundred pounds. Right, I'll buy, buy it now. <laughs> it's very expensive. <laughs> this is what we've realised. Modern technology is expensive. Anyway. Yes. Well done, Harry. You have single-handedly saved Nikon as their sales were plummeting to the floor until you bought the C6 II. Just my one sale. I, you know, I can just I can hear the CEO just crying in happiness right now. He's just sat in this, his office this also, celebrating. <laughs> this also gives us, us an excuse to take the Mick out of Nikon for the rest of Harry's life. Yes, he stayed with them instead of moving to the gods of Sony. It's a bold move. Yeah. Well, anyway, what can I say. The world like of post-production. Shall we do yeah. that? Possibly? Yeah. Let's so, move to post-production. I wanted to talk to people about post-production today. So uh, Ben invited me to this new app that I'd never really heard of called... Hold on, I've forgotten the name of it already. Cameo. No, not Cameo. No, not Cameo. Clubhouse. <laughs> so Ben invited Clubhouse, me to an it. app called Clubhouse <laughs> the other day, and I started listening to some of the live talks that are on Clubhouse. They're very interesting. Some of them go on for a very long time, um, like a podcast, but live. And one of them was talking about post-production and how people do post-production. And that got me wondering how us three do post-production in terms of video and photos. So I wanted to talk to Ben and Harry about how they do video post-production. So um, the first kind of question is, which software do you guys use? Depends All of them. on what. <laughs> so <laughs> you've got a long... A uh, form video project, a short film documentary. What are you editing that on? Hmm. I'll let Harry go first. Um. Well, I would say probably. Uh, I would probably be more likely to go towards Premiere Pro because I know that one quite well. However, mm-hmm. I've been recently using DaVinci more. Mm. Um. So, if it was like a high-paying but needed it done really quickly. 
I'd mm. probably go Premiere Pro just because I know it well enough to do it quickly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, however, if I had a little bit longer time, I'll probably stick with DaVinci because I don't know it as quite as well as Premiere Pro. Okay. And Ben, what what do you use? It, it depends on the. It does depend on the video. Mm. So most of the time, I'm a Premiere editor, mm. just because I've got into the Adobe Suite recently, uh, getting a lot better at it. Um, uh, but depends on what it is because like if it's a uni project because <coughs> uni is based around avid and their ecosystem i'll go to avid yeah. uh, media composer for the people that don't know um and then the pro tools workflow for the audio but if it's my personal project say we're shooting it for ben collins media we're going out this weekend and shooting it it'll be a premier pro job and then if I'm feeling adventurous, I'll put it in DaVinci and grade it that way, or I'll grade it internally through Premiere. Um, okay. But the the grading, color grading side of it is so much better in DaVinci than, yeah. than anything else. So well, I mean, if DaVinci I've got the time the and effort, it'll go into DaVinci. <laughs> mm. But yeah, because I've got the pay, I've got Studio 15 DaVinci, mm. um, which I need to upgrade because everybody else is on 16 or 17. <laughs> I'm on um, 17. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's it's really good for color grading. Uh, the node workflow is a thing you'll have to learn. I've learned it through uni, luckily. Hmm. Uh, so I've sort of learned it that way. But yeah, it just takes time. Hmm. Editing is a time-consuming beast. Yeah, yeah. I think in terms um, of software, you don't want to rush it either. Even if yeah, because yeah. it just goes you, bad quickly. Yeah, you want to take your time on it. In terms of software, for me, if it's a quick edit, like if I'm doing something for the school. I'll just bang it into Final Cut because it's a snappy magnetic timeline that is really yeah, easy I used to, to I used to do the same, but mm. Final Cut, there's something about it I don't like. There's not just enough control. I've only yeah. used Final Cut for one project I did um, many years ago now, long before I was actually doing video stuff. Um, it was a DOV video. It wasn't even video. It's more like a slideshow because I mostly only took <laughs> photos. Um, but I honestly, I, I hated it. It was so bad. Oh. Like iMovie I've used. I, I thought it was dreadful. I never used I used it. Yeah, like, iMovie is dreadful. For one thing and I never touched it again. And yeah. then Final Cut, I just like... It depends on... It was yeah. just bad. Depends on the version of iMovie because the mm, new yeah. iMovie is very similar to Final Cut. Yeah, it is. I've noticed um, that. Maybe the newer versions of Final Cut are better. I've heard a lot of people say the new versions are better, but I'm still not going to touch it. I can't, mostly, because so, I haven't got an Apple product. For two <laughs> on. But still, I wouldn't touch yeah. it. So, Dan, for a more professional video, what would you use? I would use Premiere. So, for a more long-form thing, like my EPQ project I've just finished, that was all done in Premiere. But for, like, quick assembly edits, I'll just bang it in Final Cut and get it done in an hour kind of thing. Which makes sense. Yeah. Also, another point is we should bring up is, like, so for the... Is, for the viewers out there we work quite closely as a f us three and sometimes tom uh work quite closely on edits and stuff mm. so for all of them we use premiere just because of the ease of use of being able to share a premiere project yeah yeah and like if we all have the footage it's so easy to like have like send it to you guys so you guys can do a cut then send it to me so i can grade it mm. It's yeah. it's just ease of use that way, and I'm doing, hopefully, doing some church edits in a couple of weeks, and they'll be the same. Like me and Joel will transfer, keep the both have the footage, but just transfer the projects, and then so you can both edit it. So that yeah. works. So I really like, especially because of lockdown and we're all separate. Mm. You can't just come into somebody's house and watch the edit. Yeah. 
Well, you, yeah. you could, but you, you know, you just get arrested afterwards. Yeah, arrested. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not. I don't. Yeah. W- w- would you get arrested? I think it's just a fine, isn't it? Yeah. No, it depends on how serious. Um, depends if you're having a house party or not. Whilst they're disagreeing. Yeah, we not. Con- <laughs> nobody should do that. Just to clear that up. Yeah. We do not recommend it. We haven't done it. Uh, nobody we know has done it. So just to clear that up. Anyway. But yeah, no, I like um, I like Adobe. Uh, Avid's a hell of a workflow. Mm. <laughs> I've had some bad times in Avid, but <laughs> yeah. I see. I've heard rec- from people I've heard who've used it. Avid. They say mm-hmm. it's you know it's one of those things you need to learn if you want to go professional because that's what they use in proper studios and stuff. Mm, but they yeah. say at the same time they hate it. Yeah. It's because it's just not it's not modern enough. No, it's it's modern now. It's just it. So you know how Premiere has like when you put a key. So when like a cross dissolve, Premiere has cross dissolves and stuff like that. Mm. Avid does not have that unless you have a plugin. Mm. Everything is plugin based. Yeah, uh, which money, is really money, annoying. money. Yeah, no, it's not just that. It's if you think so. If you look at the Oscars, like I think ninety nine percent of the films were edited in Avid and yeah. mixed in Pro Tools. Yeah, because the so for the people at home who don't know, Avid is the profession of professional um, video editing software. It's media composers. What it's really cool in called, um, but it that goes alongside their products, which is Pro Tools. So, like, Premiere has Audition, um, Avid has Pro Tools, which sync across, like, perfectly. Mm. You can open projects in either one. And then Avid also supports um, exporting and opening projects in DaVinci, so you can colour grade them. Because Avid knows that people want to colour grade in DaVinci. Yeah. So, it's like an all-in-one workflow for, like, very high-end professionals. But at, like, university, they teach you it. I learned it over the summer in preparation for university. But, um, yeah, it's very professional grade. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody who's just starting out. You sort of have to have an understanding of other software before you go into it. Yeah, I'm just going to start becoming a YouTuber, and that's the only one I'm going to use. I don't know any YouTubers who edit in Avid. God, that would be a workflow and a half just for one video. I don't don't know if any of them do. If they do, they're con crazy. Avid also has a really good hardware system as well. Like you can get Avid desks, Pro Tool desks, uh, mm-hmm. Avid accelerators and stuff like that, and DaVinci accelerators, and that all works into the workflow. Because professionals don't really render on their own system. No, for time render they render. For Premiere yeah, Pro, you can get some stickers and... for your keyboard if you want. <laughs> <laughs> you have to buy those third party though. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about that. Uh, so what do you guys not like about Premiere so if we just use that as an example um what do I not like I know um, everybody has hate well I think the biggest one out of all of it would be the colour grading mm-hmm. it's dreadful I mean for like minor touch ups it's okay but anything that you want to look nice it's just horrible mm. it's okay once you get your head around it but yeah I know what you mean it doesn't have um, the nice node system, does it? No. no. I think it's not something I hate about it, but something I actually quite like is the newer versions of it. You get the... I forgot what they call them. It's like the animated titles you can put in. So oh, like, essential graphics. Yeah, essential those. Graphics. When, they, when, when they added that in, oh, 
I thought it was amazing because I, you know, no longer have to open up After Effects to edit something, then export it, then, you know, <laughs> render it onto it, then import it. I can just put the file in and it goes, oof, I can do that and push it in. Yeah, yeah, it's very it's brilliant. Useful. Especially amazing. for running gun. Because when it got released, I was doing a lot of corporate videos at the time and they, they always liked that sort of stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I was having to make loads of them for this and it was so mm. tedious. And when yeah. I realized I could do this, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a really useful feature. I've heard a lot about it from people like you who do like corporate videos and stuff like that. Um, it's not really used in the film world, but it's no, I would for never corporate use it for videos film. and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's cause, uh, partially because you don't really own the copyright. I don't know how that works, but... Mm. Well, it yeah. depends on how you, if you've made it from your scratch or anything or... You, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. bought it from someone. My, the only annoying my thing, though, is um, if you don't have the font, um, oh, 100%, it can get yeah. a little bit annoying because sometimes Adobe Fonts sometimes picks up on it and corrects it for you, and then other times it's like, nope, I'm having hissy fit, and you have to go into the files and Adobe, change the file type for it. It's always annoying. Adobe Fonts is great, though. Mm. Like, when it works, it's great. you get in your package, yeah. <laughs> but no, my biggest annoyance in Premiere is... I know Dan, I've shown this to Dan before. I don't know if I have you. Dan, do you know the uh, gamma glitch? Oh, yes, the gamma glitch so, when exporting. Yeah, so Joel, a good friend of mine, Joel introduced me to this problem a while ago. But basically, when you export a video in Premiere, but if imagine your Premiere is completely default settings, mm. uh, for example. Um, mm -hmm. You export a video, and the grade of the vi final video will look different from the grade you've done in Premiere. Because ah. basically, it doesn't apply the correct gamma curve. And mm. gamma curves affect contrast and exposure. Mm. So, I know Matty Hapoya on YouTube has done a video about this explaining it probably much better than I'm going to. Um, and there is a fix. So basically, you if you export videos like that, you'll notice a problem. So there's a fix where you can add a gamma curve in your export, which is like in LUT you put on after the fact. Mm. But then I always go... I'm grading it for this look. I want it to be exactly this look. Why doesn't Premiere just do that? Yeah. Close <laughs> Adobe. Yeah, it's so annoying. And it's been around for like four or five years. It's not like something that's recent. I think another glitch that's really annoying, that's been annoying for this podcast entirely on the video oh, yeah. versions, is the text moving on an After Effects <laughs> render. It's only so, a problem for you, though. I've yeah, never I don't. I don't I feel know like why. it's just you. <laughs> so, for someone, it's people who don't watch the videos, or people who do watch videos, the the handles, Instagram handles, not usually for Dan for some reason, but for me and Ben, <laughs> they shift over slightly. Okay, and I don't know why. Okay, I double check it every single time before I render it. Like the last one, I, I like triple checked it. Right, that's definitely in the middle. Save, that's definitely in the middle. Save again, just in case, save again. And then I went through it again. I zoomed in on the, the preview on Media Encoder. It was in the right position. Exported it, rendered, it had moved. And it had moved in the file as well. And I was so annoyed at this um, that I've locked the file now. Uh, those little text things. So hopefully they do not move again. If they do, um, Harry's I'm going to send a ranty email. I'm going to send a ranty email to Adobe saying fix, fix it. For the audience at home, Harry has been complaining about this feature for the last like three weeks. Constantly. Yeah, it's really annoying because <laughs> it takes forever to render these videos because of the audio waveform. And then when they're done, you're like, oh, 
it's not done correctly. <laughs> <laughs> For the people at home, we normally record these on a um, Tuesday. Oh, today we're not. We're recording on a Monday because we've got mediation tomorrow. Yeah, I've got a video shoot, so I can't record on a Tuesday. But usually we record on a Tuesday. I edit the audio straight afterwards, and then Harry exports the video like overnight into the night, so it's out Wednesday morning, so it can go onto the platforms. And um, so it takes Harry's PC a couple of hours to export, and then if he finds that it's wrong, that's a whole other redo. Yeah, Hence and why I can never some, be if you go back it. on some of the YouTube videos, you'll notice that error because yep. we just didn't want to fix it. Basically that, yeah. <laughs> So that brings up a good point about hmm. final checking, though. Yeah, error I know, checking. Yeah, I've I've made some massive cock-ups before not checking videos. Um, mm -hmm. Trying to think of some that come to mind. Uh, I did a parody video for college. Do you remember this, Dan? And <laughs> so I overlaid it, overlaid all my footage over the original music video, mm. and then. I missed. I accidentally deleted a clip in the middle of it, so the original music video was in the middle of my music video. Yes, I remember <laughs> that. That was very old. <laughs> so, mm. have you done any errors like that, you guys? So, my um, biggest fear when I'm editing and I'm error checking at the end of it is spellings. If I've mucked oh, up oh, yeah. a spelling in the title credits or lower thirds, I'm going to be annoyed for the rest of my life. So, what I do? I I have actually done that though. Yeah, oh, it, I as well. it's a common mistake that tends to pop up. What I tend to do is my mum used to be one of the head editors for Computer Weekly, uh, which used to be a magazine that was quite popular. And the um, job of an editor for a magazine like that is you have to proofread everyone's work before it goes to print. So I just make my mum watch the video and then she checks all the spellings for me. It's quite useful. <laughs> I remember... I'm a, here's a funny story. I remember... Dan, do you remember those Flash year summary videos I used to do for The Weald? Oh, the Weald in a minute. Yeah, so we, so I started a thing at The Weald where we used to do, like, uh, for the final assembly, or Gold Awards or something like that, we did, um, like, a year in a minute. Harry, you might remember this, you might not. Um, I'm trying to remember. It was, it was a, <laughs> like... Oh, no, it was 100 seconds, I think. It yeah, was, The Weald in 100 seconds. So, basically, it was the year summary in 100 seconds. And you know how those Apple adverts flash up text really, really quickly and stuff like oh, that? Oh, yes, I remember this now, yeah. Um... So we did a couple of those for the school, and I remember I messed up a spelling in the middle of it, and we showed the video, uh, the Gold Awards event, I believe it was, and as it was playing on the screen, I saw this spelling mistake, and I was like, oh, damn. It was the biggest <laughs> face not... bomb of that year. It was brilliant. <laughs> I, I have a very similar thing. Uh, so back in, I want to say year eight, or maybe year nine, I want to say year eight, do you remember years ago. Um, <laughs> that week where we did like uh, activities? Um, yeah, uh, Ace, week, Ace Week activities. Ace Week, yeah, that's it. Um, I did the video one one time and it was in the English department. Mm. This was before yep. media came around. And I can't remember the video what was on now. I remember throwing books on the floor. Uh, <laughs> I don't really remember <laughs> but basically um, our video was the best out of the group and the teacher managed to convince Mr Woodman to play it in assembly um, <laughs> okay, I, I don't remember if you ever saw this happen but I was like really embarrassed that this video had to be played because I, I didn't think it was very good at all <laughs> it, was, it was dreadful but they wanted <laughs> you to put credits at the end of it oh, no. um, I managed to spell editor wrong 
Did you edit it? I, I, I edited it and I spelled editor wrong. And so my name on that is Editor Harry Shelton. Oh, that everyone, in in the, everyone in the school saw it. I'm just glad it was a really fast credit and I'm hoping people didn't see it. <laughs> oh, that, that embarrassed me all day. No one brought it up, uh, so I'm assuming no one saw it, but still. For the record to all the audience, these are videos from a good five plus years ago. Yeah, these were we a do while not ago. do this anymore in our professional work. Let's just clear that up. Yeah. <laughs> for, for our professional work now, when it comes to Eric, it goes through multiple it's, it's people. Seven years ago for me, that one oh was. <laughs> yeah. Growing up. Like, if, if we release a video now, it goes go through so many channels, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, so yeah. it tends to have four revisions normally. One will be pre-colour, yeah. one will be post-colour, one will have the titles and stuff. And, and each ben of them will send will be it checked. to all of us just to check yeah, each of them everything. will be checked by yeah. a massive group, yeah. And then I'll go, oh, that's bad. You should redo that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when the next oh, no, revision I, comes along. We've got, a mu- uh, we've got a music video for a band I won't mention at the weekend. We've been planning it for a while, and I know that's going to have a lot of edits. <laughs> yeah, that's going to have a lot <laughs> of, of fixes whole... to it. <laughs> Because the whole atmosphere and narrative and stuff are going for is very compli- right. complex. We've got, we got a month to edit it. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Very true. But mm-hmm. I like I like to... This brings up in an, an the next section. Like, how do you guys like to edit stuff? Because I know I like to lay the track down, like the video down, especially music videos, mm-hmm. very close to when we've shot it. Yeah. So it's not sat mm-hmm. there for a while. Because I like... Because obviously on a music video shoot, I don't know if any of our audience shoot videos or not, but um, if you're on a shoot, you get you get into the vibe, you get into the atmosphere, you get you're listening to the song on repeat for a start, so you get you get a real vision of what it's going to look like, especially as an editor and like sort of director, mm. which is what I usually do. Um, you get that like goal in your head, and I always find it so much better for the edit if i lay it down as soon as possible after the day because then i have a clear vibe and then i'll come back to it either like a day or two later and then i'll have a fresh batch of improvements but as Mm. long as i've got like the overall look down i'm Mm. happy yeah i think it puts my mind at ease for me i think it's kind of like that uh most of the videos that i would do nowadays that you know like that is like a montage not exactly mm-hmm. a montage but um like an event or something mm-hmm. so i think i'd start out by picking the music i want yeah, yeah. Oh, probably i probably already, I probably already done that before i've even gone to the event to be fair mm-hmm. um yeah. but i definitely don't like editing or at least properly editing straight after it because if it's like a, a long day event you know you might be tired and you might not be thinking straight uh-huh. and mm. you, you can make mistakes or you you d- decide on something that isn't actually that good because you just your brain is trying to rush it mm. um so i usually will just leave it for the night get a clear mind in the morning and then go for it okay yeah it does depend on the video mm. like i i think you're completely correct about having the song first people should always do that yeah, yeah if, it, the, if the, the video thing, is always if the main so thing is about a song it should be selected first Mm. Yeah, like the video is always so much better if, it, if the song is chosen first. Unless it's a documentary where the narrative is the most important thing, yes. or a film, the the song should be chosen it's first, especially an event. Like we, for the audience, we did loads of events last 2019 before mm. COVID and all that. And 
I remember the videos that turned out the best for those events were ones we came into it with a song. Yeah. Mm. It's just, yeah. It brings, because you know the energy you need to film, you know how quick paced you want it to be, you know, yeah. Yeah, because you might, if you might film everything to be ready for like slow-mo and stuff, and then yeah. when you've selected the song, oh no, I need lots of energy, and now you just ruined it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I learned that on Soul Survivor because like the Soul Survivor mix is the first thing you do for like the highlights video just because you know it's the most vital part and then you film around the song and you film all the transitions around the song and stuff like that mm. it's yeah it's a really important part song choice mm. I think laying it yeah. out that the night that you film it is quite useful Especially for me, I, I tend to be quite forgetful in the grand scheme of things, and I will have forgotten what happened during the event, like yeah. a couple of days after. So having a rough layout of the timeline, even if it's horribly cut, just a rough cut of what happened that day and how I want it to look, I think is quite helpful And then coming I back think, to it. I think it depends on if you're there shooting it as well. Because yeah. we obviously do stuff, a lot of us, so we're in internal guys we don't send it off to edit or we're always if you're editing it you're usually there mm. but like oh, yeah, I, I, edited, I always send it to Universal Studios you know <laughs> <laughs> I've edited stuff for other people a lot in lockdown actually like stuff people shot and sent to me and they literally just needed the editing work um, and I remember it feels weird because obviously you haven't been there and depending on how good their notes are yeah depends on how good your edit will come from interpretation it. of their want what they want it to look like yeah, especially yeah. when you're not the director mm, that's why i, I know that. a lot of directors love to edit themselves just because of the i think that also yeah. comes back to the your whole idea of laying it out quickly after because you, yeah. you got and you're in the vibe of it but when it comes to like a professional video for like the music video where everything is what we want is everything's been laid out it's scripted, it's shot list, everything. Mm. You don't mm. need to rush into the edit. Because no, you, yeah, yeah. you know exactly what it's going to be anyway because we're following what we've written out. Yeah. And of course, anything yeah. we change then, we just add back into the scripts and make it yeah. ready. Uh, I know your point. Um, I just feel the... I always feel pumped after it because I love <laughs> editing. I always feel pumped to come back and actually like edit the footage. I really like looking through footage as well, like... So when we're done a day, I'll I'll look at the footage and go, oh, we've done a good job there. It mm. just gives me that reassurance, you know. Like yes, yeah. yeah. If you're doing you've an done an, a nice job, yeah. if you're doing an events video, what what's your kind of process for picking out the clips you'll go use for that events video? If you get what Ooh, I mean. that's a good question. Like so, what it's, how now? Which is an event we did right before COVID came in last year. We yeah, filmed for an before. entire day and did the edit on the train ride back. What what kind of thoughts went through your head when you were picking out footage to put in the timeline for that? See, Why the hell am I doing it on a train? <laughs> oh no, so we did we did it so quickly because obviously if an event has hype around it if you release the video quickly afterwards. Yeah. It's the same reason like my dad's event, the Birmingham Tattoo, I shot the video the night of and released it the second day of the event. Yeah. So it, builds hype around it and you get more social media following you get more event coverage it, it all benefits each other mm. yeah. but the question about choosing clips is a hard one because i usually start with the stuff i've shot myself yes because you know so what's I know, good like, and what's not 
Yeah, because I know that stuff inside out because I, I shot it myself. Mm. Um, and then I always, because we always, we're quite good at communicating. So we always know, like, I know Dan's shooting close-ups at this point or Ronin stuff because Dan yeah. shoots a lot of gimbal. Um, so I'll then go, oh, I need a gimbal shot here. Dan's got that. And then I'll skim through Dan's stuff, find that clip. Or if it's for what, how, now how, it was Tom did all the close-ups on the long lens. Yeah. So I skim through that and get all his close-ups. It depends on the event, but that's how I usually do it. Mm. Um, it's also like, so when we did Locksfest, for an example, to bring Harry into it, I knew Harry shot all the DJ stuff, so I went to him for the DJ stuff, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, and we obviously communicate and go, oh, that shot is sick. That shot mm. isn't very good. We always know roughly yeah. what stuff looks like. And we're always reviewing footage, really. We're mm. not one of those camera crews that to never be, review to their be footage. Fair, though, I think my that Locksfest the DJ, I think that was all one shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it it was on the Ronin, so. Pick bits out. Yeah. Yeah. But on the Ronin, that's understandable. Mm. Yeah. Um, I hate when people do a one take for no need. Mm. So. <laughs> I know we've all done it at one point where you just leave the camera recording. Two days to click the red year. button. <laughs> <laughs> for, no, for music videos, it makes sense because it makes it so much easier to sync. Don't yeah. press stop because it's just easier for the edit. Yeah. But if you're doing a event coverage where you're cutting between different, like, so you're cutting between a crowd shot and a band shot, mm. that should be separate clips so I can identify them. Yeah. Um, also, that's one of the reasons I, we try and use a slate now for all the narrative work. Yeah, so we know what that clip is. Identification of clips yeah. is so much easier. Yeah, that is a good um, thing. Makes sense. It was a good good question, Dan. And what about you? How would you go about it? Especially for like your wheeled stuff. The wheeled stuff, it tends to all be done in one take because nobody has the time to do another one. So you don't tend to drill <laughs> footage for it, if I'm completely honest, which sounds really bad, but most okay, of the so time. Do you want to explain this for the people that aren't from the wheeled? Okay, so for the wheeled videos, what tends to happen is I'll get an email. Which is a school. Yeah, it's a school. I'll get an email from the teacher who's doing that video assembly like a couple of days before it needs to be released saying, hey, can we do a video? And I will, for some idiotic reason, always say yes to them. Um, <laughs> so I will say yes, experience. we'll book a date for filming. It will tend to be in the studio. So it's locked off, tripod, microphone on them. Um, and we'll probably do a couple of takes, but what I sometimes get them to do, which is helpful when it comes to the edit, is say what they want on the screen before they start talking about it. So um, I did an assembly recently for one of the teachers, and I got them to say next slide after each bit, so I know when to change the slide, and they say, put video here in edit. So I tend to listen back to it and then edit off of that when it comes to editing that kind of footage. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, no, the wheeled, the wheeled videos are so interesting because they change so often. Like, mm. for the people who aren't from the wheeled, because I know we have a few people because I did an Instagram survey. Mm. Um, and, like, the wheeled is such a weird environment for videos because, obviously, we started wheeled TV. So we started a wheeled TV, which is, like, their production, sort of in-school production team. Mm. In 2018... Was it four years ago? Yeah. It was 20... Well, just coming on four years ago, I think. The studio was built 2017, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so... Oh God, that's a long time ago. <laughs> it was four um, years. So basically, that involved me picking a load of kit, and they got a government grant, and they built a studio with all the stuff you need to record and that. Mm. Um, we tra They trained a load of kids to, to use it. Um, 
but the videos that you that they get Dan now and Tom to film are so varied. Like we did a sports day, um, assembly mm. video, gold awards, six on spectacular. Mm. It's all so different. But I suppose that's good for you guys and your experience. Yeah. It, it definitely keeps you on your toes when you're filming and editing pretty much within a week, ready for publishing on Friday to get checked by um, the leadership team. That's how it, I learned how to edit. Yeah. <laughs> the, the fact you don't have much time, you have to make sure the edits count and the takes count because you don't want to be spending hours after shooting, scrolling through all of your footage, trying to find what you need. So you do it. You learn to do it perfectly first time. And yeah. it takes a very long time to do that. Which I've, I am... Um, I'm not going to name names. However, some of the people in Wheel TV, um, <laughs> they obviously never listened on how to use the equipment because there was one time I edited one video for them because it needed to be done. I never really edited the videos anyway. Um, it was horrible. It was dreadful. They've oh, yeah. improved a lot. I would hope so. Some we did a workshop. It's been four years. I would hope they have. <laughs> <laughs> we, did a, we did a workshop. I came in and helped them out. And yeah, then, that editing yeah. workshop was quite good. Because it gave it gave them a basic understanding. Because you have to remember, a lot of these are young students who the wheel don't really like have a media department. No offense to them, but they don't. Yeah, it's based <laughs> off English no. department. So, yeah, so it's getting them that experience, which I know a lot of schools don't have. So they are mm. very. It's very lucky to have something that. like that. I think the best yeah. way to learn that kind of editing, and the brilliant thing about the editing day, is they just got to sit down for a day, not necessarily play around, but play around with all of the footage and learn how to do things just in their own time in their own way and that's how you and develop gave, the best understanding of it and we gave them footage that could actually be edited well and then we gave them footage that couldn't be edited well yeah and they so had they to had decide which clips to use and things like that and i think and all of their videos that day turned out really well because they got four hours to just play around and make something work whereas in the real world when it comes to doing this sort of thing you don't get that four hours of playtime to make the edit work it has to work in an hour or but the video's fair, not going to be published to be fair to them though in the real world you've probably already done hundreds of hours beforehand yeah <laughs> yeah they are just students at the end of the day mm. Mm. it was a good, good thing experience to for them. it was definitely good um i i think Should one we... of the things that I learned from that because I was helping run that course was um, tips that people use for editing, like little shortcuts oh, yeah. that they do to do certain uh, techniques and that sort of thing. That There's so many little bits and bobs, especially in Premiere Pro, that you can do to make the edit look a lot nicer or work a certain way. Do, do you have any of those sorts of tips? I know I always tell people to make a custom workspace. Yes. Nobody ever does. Oh, I so <laughs> people that don't know, Premiere has like a view and a workspace. So you can basically customize the way you want it to look, the software. Mm. Um, so I have it custom set. So I have my effects in the top left. Mm. Uh, the I can remember it off by heart because I've edited so many videos. <laughs> effects in the top left, audio next to it, preview. Grading is always on the right, mm. always up. Uh, then the standard position for the timeline and the media box at the bottom. Yeah. And then I always I I have a second display, a TV which is color accurate that I put the preview on mm. as a copy. Um, mm. 
But I always tell people, set a custom workspace because it works so much better in your workflow if you like and understand the workspace you've been given. Or yeah, if set. you feel yeah. comfortable in it, you'll work a lot quicker and a lot easier in it. That's definitely See, a if, good tip. For my custom work one is I use two monitors for it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the main monitor, the entire bottom section is the timeline. Mm-hmm. Top right is the preview. Top left is audio monitoring. Mm. Yep. Um, of all the channels and then on the other screen the left side the top and bottom of it so the top is the effects the bottom of it is the effects uh, properties yeah. Um, yeah. and then the the right side is the media box with all the footage in it that's what yeah, I use footage bins. okay yeah see it depends on because uh, I have an ultra wide as well so my timeline is just naturally long yeah and I mean that does affect on what you're editing it on etc because um, before I had an ultrawide, I'd do the same. I'd move the media bin to another monitor and use it there because it's clearer for footage. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Dan? Mm? What about you? Oh, what's your workspace so, look like? Because um, so just for clarification here, I used to edit quite a lot of videos on my PC, but my PC yeah. could be in a museum at this point. It's that vintage, so I've, <laughs> I've stopped editing on it recently and moved to my MacBook Pro as. For something that costs a lot more and has a lot less specs, it runs a lot better. Um, so what you're saying is you need to buy isn't a new PC. 10 years old. I need a new PC at some point, but that's that's a whole other story. But in terms of editing on the Mac, what I'll tend to do is I'll plug in an external display. So I bought Ben's old ultrawide off of him. So I'll plug into that and have my main timeline and stuff all on there. And then I'll have my footage bins and stuff on my MacBook screen below. So I have two sources to go from for that. That tends to be yeah. my layout. Yeah, no, changing workspaces, number one technique or yeah. tip, whatever you want to call it. it it's a I really good I'm idea. Trying to think of, to have I'm trying a... to think of other like advice for people that are just starting out. Oh, uh, shortcuts. Yes. Oh, yeah. Learn Use the shortcuts. shortcuts. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredibly like, um, useful. When, when you all, I, I can't remember if it was default, but, uh, but I've definitely set them to it. So you know when you've got a bunch of clips and you need to trim the, the back of it or the front of it down? Mm. Yeah. I've set it so Q will trim behind, W will trim forward. Okay. I don't remember if that was, I don't remember if that was default or not. I definitely I remember don't setting not it. Think that is. I don't think that's default. Um, so I'm, I'm never having to like click the, the cutting tool, then click it and then delete it and then ripple delete. Mm. It does it automatically with that button. Okay. Um, and then I've got a keyboard with uh, macro keys on it. So I've got a couple of them set to um, ripple delete automatically. So if mm. there's like a ton of stuff in the way, I just highlight the ones I want and click uh, well, M3 for me. It will then delete it and ripple delete. Okay. So And then click enter yes. as well. If See, I'm not, I'm not a fan of having that like ripple delete magnetic timeline feel. So I'm the opposite. So I... You I want the blank So space. anybody that... Yeah, anybody that doesn't like that, um, I use. I recommend you use in and out points when mm. selecting media. I know hardly anybody does for some reason, but it's something <laughs> I, I picked up from. <laughs> it's something I picked up from Avid. Like, so if you so basically, you know how you get a source window to mm. preview your footage. Yeah. Yeah. So what I do is when I've got my footage there, I'll uh, pull it all up in the media bin and then source preview clips and go. Okay, I'll double click it. Hopefully it's got a slate at the start if it's a narrative video so you can see what it exactly is. Mm. And then I'll go through the source window and I'll go 
okay, the good section starts here in on I on the keyboard and then that it ends about there, press O and yeah. then drag it from there into my timeline and only the bit I want is in there. Yeah. If yeah. that makes sense. Mm. I guess both ways then, work though. It depends on but the, and your can, workflow. And then you can still go, you can see on your project, um, like on your media tab, what media you've used and what media you haven't because the ones you've used have in and out points. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm. So that's how I that's, like to that's do That's pretty, it. to be fair, that's quite a useful thing actually knowing which ones you've used and haven't used mm. yeah ex- exactly for especially like events yeah. where like you've got thousands of clips and you don't want to use the same one twice yeah no. that's quite it's good. just really useful i i've yeah i picked it up from avid but i've started using it in premiere for like the last year it's mm. very very useful has anybody used multicam in premiere i no. have not <laughs> i've never i've never <laughs> never needed it see i do a lot of multicam work especially last year like where we're syncing it and I will be with like these music videos and stuff and um, I'm just curious if it's better than have it just doing it manually because I always like doing it manually I've, I've never tried it it will be something the problem with doing it so. manually is you have a hundred bloody tracks yeah that is a minor <laughs> problem <laughs> you have to you have to understand your layout it gets very complicated very quickly I think I heard, it's I heard probably quite useful for like if you were doing interview style stuff yeah, if you yeah. want to cut between the two interview angles and the centre angle, I guess that could work quite well. I know loads of people use it. I've just never, I've never, I've never had the time, it. to really, <laughs> because I always, I always prefer to do the video the way I know to do it, mm. rather mm. than experiment a new well, way. Time to experiment. <laughs> yeah, we'll try it out. Maybe after point. we do, maybe after we do this video at the weekend, we will experiment with the footage. We'll, we'll give all the um, people in the music video an interview. <laughs> we'll just sit Wouldn't them down. The We're doing time. a random interview, <laughs> no context. We won't. It won't even be related to the music video or their music or anything like that. It'll be like on, um, what what do you think of the new, um, what do you think of the new PlayStation Five? <laughs> get their opinions on that. To clear up, if any of the band are listening, we're not going to do that. We're not doing that. <laughs> so don't panic. This is entirely hypothetical. I have to say, that, long, the... that long pause was me looking around trying to find something to talk about. <laughs> I saw a PlayStation controller. <laughs> I have to say, one of the okay, things... Should we, um... Yeah? I was going to say, should we move on to photo editing? Because that's oh. a whole different workflow. Yeah, photo editing is a very different world, I feel. Yes. I, I, yeah. I don't do much of it, though. No. You guys do a lot more than I do. Yeah, I guess. So, in terms of software, it's going to be pretty obvious the answers, but what do people use? Uh, Windows Photo Editor. Oh, God. <laughs> no, Harry, get out of this podcast. You are banned. <laughs> uh, no, I depends on the photo I'm trying to edit and what I'm trying to achieve with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Does it? If I'm just <laughs> doing, like, general photos, uh, Lightroom. Yeah. I've Adobe. recently moved to the new Lightroom. Because I told you to. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying it out. I'm still kind of hesitant on preferring classic. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's all right, I guess. You'll probably get sinned by photographers for saying... Oh, see, I prefer the modern Lightroom. Most professional photographers hate it, though. Mm. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's okay. I like, the, I like the design of it, but, like, yeah. It, Adobe, if you're listening, add a side-by-side for you and I'll love it. 
<laughs> um, if I want to do other uh, editing where it'd be like removing something, anything like that, Photoshop, because okay. yeah. but there's no other competition, really. But do you not, I mean, do Affinity you not Photo, put, maybe. Do you not put the photo in Lightroom first, though? That's what I well, No, but it depends what I'm trying to do with the photo. Yeah. So if mm, I'm true. literally just wanting to remove something from the photo, bam, it's in Photoshop, it's done. But like, See, if, I it's always... a, if it's a raw file and I need to touch it up for some reason with Photoshop, I just import the raw file and then you can do the raw editing there. It's the same yeah, as Lightroom. If it was only that one photo. If it was you're a, Nik- them, you're a Nikon shooter there. though. So something I've noticed is Sony raw files don't work properly in Photoshop. There's I don't been know a new camera Photoshop. out this week to fix that. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, saw it, I saw it updating something to do with raw. <laughs> yeah. So, so recently I've been, had issues importing raw photos straight into Photoshop. So I usually go through the go through Lightroom, select the ones I want to edit, and then right-click, open them in Photoshop. Mm. And then for anybody that doesn't know, they automatically open in Photoshop and you can edit them. Yeah. Uh, it still doesn't sync across properly for some reason. But. It does on Classic. Yeah, classic works perfectly fine. It's it's interesting because I was the other way around to Harry when it comes to Lightroom. So I started using the modern mobile version of Lightroom, but then I moved to classic. I actually prefer classic. It is much nicer. It doesn't look as Mm. nice, but the functionality is there and I like the functionality being there. I think I I moved... I I started on classic mostly because I had, had allegedly had pirated it. No, allegedly, um, yes. Allegedly pirated it from an alleged website, which I won't name. Mm, um, allegedly. And then uh, I managed to get a subscription mm. for real cheap, allegedly, um, with all the apps. So, yeah, now I'm on paid, so I sh- can try mm. them all out. Yeah. yeah. So I I've always had the Adobe Suite, so yeah. yeah it doesn't... In terms of picking out the photos, so say you've been out for a shoot for the day with either a model or you've been to London and you photograph some buildings, what what's your process for picking out photos that you want to touch up and do all the um, editing with? My, my main way I'll do it is, um, well, if I'm coming back from like London or anything like that and it mm. involves travel, I'd probably look through the camera anyway and delete anything I know I definitely will not be using. Okay. So um, I never do that. Because if it, I, I, you know, I like to scroll through and see what the day has got. And if there's like a photo in there that is generally terrible, I would just delete it. Um, I'm saying you take ge- ha- terrible photos, Harry. Yes. <laughs> yeah, if, I, if I take some bad photos. <laughs> um, but I think the main one is I would import it into Lightroom. Mm-hmm. And then oh, it's more than the classic because that's the method I'm used to. <laughs> is um, I would go into the develop and then I'll just click five for five star. I mean, I could flag it, but I, I started using starring before I knew their flags existed. So I stuck with starring. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Can then I'll just go through. Flag? Yeah, I just go through them all, rate the ones I like. I literally do not bother with like one, two, three, four, five. I just click five because... Oh, I just press flag, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'll go through them all and then I'll sort by rated and then edit those. Have a one last go through them see if i change anything yeah um and then bam export them okay it's a pretty good process i i tend to i don't know why i do this but in lightroom classic and i think it's in normal lightroom as well when you're about to import a bunch of photos you can select the ones you do and don't want from that folder 
I tend to mm. do it there. So I only import the ones I know that I'm going to want to edit or I might want to edit. That's fair enough, yeah. But I guess I don't go through my camera and delete photos that I know I'm I'm I mean, I, I mean, when I, when I say delete the photo, I usually don't do it very often because most of the time it's hard to tell on a f- camera yeah, screen, screen if it's, it's very good. Hard to tell. I mean, if the photo is generally like super blurry or I'm, <laughs> it's completely out of focus, I or won't even hands bother. in front of it. All your hands in it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like the the whole like going through it and rating it, it's really nice to go through them all and everything yeah. like that. However, it adds so much time to it. Yeah, because you have because to wait for them to import and then delete the ones you don't want once you've and gone storage and space. Them. Like the Loxfest or the um, the Whisper Green Run, uh, mm-hmm. where I had thousands of photos like camera made multiple folders for all these photos yeah um so that's how many there were tons of them and then uh there was a couple times you guys had asked me oh when the photo's ready we're ready to upload the video and i go i haven't even finished rating them yet (laughs) because there's so many of them (laughs) yeah and then when Fair I had enough. finally finished, I finally finished it. Oh, that's brilliant. I can now edit these. Oh, wait, no, I can't. I got another folder to rate. <laughs> <laughs> so it can be really useful for when there's like not that many. But as mm. soon as you get into the, the four digit numbers and you need them done quickly, it can be quite a tedious process. So sometimes yeah. I might just go, right, I like that photo, rate it, edit it now. And then I can sort <laughs> by rated and export them quickly later. Yeah. So you know. once you've picked out the photos you like, what's your process then? Do you instantly go for your presets panel and start playing around with presets? Or do you do a bit of exposure and um, um, highlights and stuff like that? So I don't usually use presets that much. I mean, like the, the other day when Ben and I had that walk with those photos, I did use presets because I managed to get the ones that you guys got. Um, mm. And I had Allegedly. to play around with them, especially given the fact <laughs> I was on the new Lightroom. I thought I'd give it a try anyway. Mm. Um, but usually the t- most of the time I don't actually use presets I will edit the photo you know from the, the first panel and work my way through slowly mm. and then I'll get what I like and then I'll control shift C it so I get that preset I've just made Yeah. and then I'll go through and p- apply that setting to each photo and, and edit it slightly and yeah. then when it's a different photo entirely all right, I'll, I'll re-edit that and then do the same so each one kind of has the same preset to it, but they're all custom made mm. for each photo. Yeah. See, I do that workflow, but I, instead of control seeing the uh, the uh, preset, I um, save the preset as a new preset. So you can. Uh, yeah, so at this point, that. I have like hundreds of custom presets, and I just name them mm. like walk walk preset two or walk preset one and then yeah. I, mean, I guess that is one way of doing it but that seems tedious <laughs> well no I, yeah. I do that because we quite often go on a walk and i like the same look on an image from one walk to the other so mm-hmm. yeah it makes it easier. You can quickly doing yeah. custom photo editing does make it a lot harder to make a oh, photo 100%. look similar mm-hmm. because obviously presets are inherently the same mm. well yeah presets affect every setting yeah. So where if you do it custom, you have to go through all the settings. For people who don't know what presets are, it's a bunch of settings that have been made by a user, and then that you click on that preset, it will apply it to the image. And normally, you can buy preset packs off the internet. I know we've um, picked up a couple recently, and you just go through and scroll around until you see a preset you like, and that that's my mm. kind of process. And then I select even, that, even and then with... I edit the image from there. 
even with the presets, like half the time you select the preset, but you're going to still be editing the photo because most yeah. of the time these presets are way too extreme for the photo. Mm. Yeah. So it makes sense that the presets will give you a, a boost to the style you want and then you mm. refine that style. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. In in terms of the presets we use, I know I bought a pack and we all now use it. Um, it's It's a film emulation pack. Do you tend to like to try and emulate film in digital photography or is it more you want to go through clean and clean, clinical image with some bright and vibrant colours? Depends. Depends on the project. Depends on the mood. Yeah, because mm. like if I'm doing like car photography stuff, mm. um, most of the time I don't try emulate film. I want bright colours, bright whites. Which yeah, before when I did try use presets, you can tell which photos I've used the preset on probably mm. is the colours are not nearly as bright as I would want them to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was an American show I went to once, and I definitely used a lot of presets on those ones, and I really regret doing so because after I had rendered it and had time to sit and then look away for a bit and then look back at them, and I already posted them at this point. I go, oh wow, that's terrible. Why did I do that? Mm. <laughs> yeah. So okay, yeah, that's it, another thing, is looking away for a bit and mm. then coming back to it. So, you know, you're not just focusing on this colour. You want to, you know, break yeah. away from it for a bit. You're refining your choices over a couple of days. That tends to be quite a good process to do because in photo editing, you tend to be sat looking at the same images for a good couple of hours and you become a bit mm. brainwashed to it. But coming back to it the next day with a fresh set of eyes can point out things like, oh God, the highlights are really overdone in that image and I didn't notice that last night. So yeah. coming back to it is quite a good idea. Yeah, I have to say, I definitely, if I was going to change anything with how I took photos or editing, anything like that back in the day... Mm. Um, the one thing I'd change is not the taking the photo because, you know, that's a learning process. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was editing. <laughs> I look back at them now and I go, that was dreadful. Why did I even like that? Why did some people say they love it? I don't know. I thought it was all dreadful now. So one, yeah. one thing I'd go back and change is shoot raw all of the time. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For <definitely>. God's sake. <laughs> that's something I've noticed on my photography course recently. Everyone don't like shoots JPEG and it hurts me inside. I know it's a bit more processed because you've got to do your exposure in post and stuff, but please, for mm. God's sake, shoot raw. <laughs> yeah, it's like when I got my camera that uh, and I you know, was taking photos of it and I saw the word raw, I'd go, oh, that sounds amazing. Not knowing really what it was at the time. I'd go, that sounds amazing. i got to have that. Yeah. So I just took it anyway. It sounded cool. Why would you not want something that sounds cool? Yeah, I started by taking only JPEGs, and that was a mistake. (laughs) So the the difference between them, RAW captures all of the settings in your camera at the same time, so it allows you to edit things like the ISO a lot cleaner in post-production, whereas a JPEG is a much more compressed format, and it doesn't record those camera settings um, as as well. JPEGs in general are just crap. Yeah, Yeah, usually they're only 8-bit. So, yeah... Mm. If you want to make your photos look like an Instagrammer, use RAW. <laughs> and then use lots of presets on them. Yeah, that's what the Instagrammers do. That's what yeah. I do, so... <laughs> I, I think we should wrap it up here then, I guess. Yeah. yeah. That's been a pretty full episode, hasn't it, today? Yeah. 
so if you like this episode uh, make sure you tune in for next week's Wednesday I have no idea what next week's is <laughs> we don't usually <laughs> it's going to be on um, monster trucks <laughs> definitely good luck Harry. <laughs> these guys don't know it yet but we're also going to have to record on Monday <laughs> so, oh, <okay. laughs> so um, yeah we'll see you next Wednesday uh, if you haven't already follow us on Instagram anything literally podcast um, let us know what you thought of the episode um, yeah and if you want to just follow me because you know I'm the coolest here it's, it, it's at Harry Shelton <laughs> I mean you do have the yeah. least followers here so fair enough yeah please come oh, follow damn. me I have the least <laughs> oh damn dad's ripping into him okay I don't even have I, I don't even have more than 200 followers it's just depressing I hit 500 the other day and I'm more than my second account it. nearly has more than you Harry <laughs> <laughs> right let's end this here <laughs> <laughs> okay yep yeah. See you next week. Bye. See ya. Bye.